2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
3: Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome in. A new week of Daily Faceoff Live starts now. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. Riding shotgun with me today is former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna. Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot early for maybe a little bit of story time with Mike McKenna. Jack Hughes, six-minute shift over the weekend for the New Jersey Devils. Longest shift you ever remember a teammate having. Is there one that pops into your head?
1: Man, I remember in Ottawa... Maybe it was Cody Cece, so this would've been 2018, 19. I think he got stuck out there for like four minutes. And that dude was just absolutely grinded. I remember coming to the bench after because I think it was a TV timeout. And I don't think we could get enough water in him. Like (laughs) I felt so bad for him because I couldn't get a whistle. So I took ownership of it, man. Could you imagine being on the ice for six minutes? It's wild, dude.
0: I've taken some long shifts in my beer league, but I don't think I've ever had one that's hit the six-minute mark. It's ridiculous stuff. Uh, we are going to throw just just two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. We're going to try not to extend our shifts too much here, but we're going to start with the suddenly surging Washington Capitals. Mike, this team has won four in a row. They're 7-2-1 in their last 10, and when you look at the Metro Division standings, it's, well, they're almost right back in the fight here with 32 points in 30 games we can go one of two ways with this. Are you looking at the capitals and saying, hey, maybe we wrote this team off too early, or are you looking at the teams ahead of them and going, whew, that is still a big, big mountain to climb.
1: I think there's a little bit of cannibalization going on in the Metro right now. You look how close those teams are, four point swing between Carolina and the Caps. And you've know you seen some of these clubs start to swoon a bit, and some have gone in other direction. Carolina and the Islanders have lagged a little bit, and Pittsburgh's been hot. Uh, But I think realistically, the Caps, just still have that core that you have to be aware of. When Anytime you step on the ice with Ovechkin, Carlson, Oshie, go down the list, they're dangerous. you know. And I think things really changed for the Caps in the past week when they took the big Western swing. They took seven out of 10 points on a nine-day road trip out West. Um, then they come home and play a one-off against Seattle and go right back out West to Winnipeg, and they beat them. So the bottom line for me is that the Caps have been out chancing teams, they've stuck to their guns, uh, and I think the couple things that I really key in on for this club, their penalty kill has been outstanding, and, and and that'll that'll carry a club anytime. In that four game win streak, they've only allowed one penalty or uh, one goal on the penalty kill. And Charlie Lindgren's been outstanding. I mean, last night he stole that game against Winnipeg. Phenomenal stuff. Value contract. You name it. He's won four straight in a row. He had 19 high danger chances last night, only allowed two goals against. So um, I think you factor that in. They're playing a little bit better defensively. And then they've had some big performances from Lindgren. when called upon, and the scoring is there.
0: Yeah, there are some concerns still for me. Their their division just being tough as nails. I mean, that's a lot of really good teams. You not only need to eventually work past in the standings, but you need to go head-to-head against a lot down the stretch. That'll be tough. And on one hand, I go, well, they're so banged up that... They should get healthier, but then you know you, we don't know what's going on with Nicholas Backstrom, Connor mm-hmm. Brown done for the year, Carl Hagelin probably not playing either. It's it's a lot of pieces that are not going to come back or at least won't be back for a while. So even the health angle, like you're you're certainly hoping they can get healthier, but who knows if that ends up working working out for them. The one the one thing that'll be interesting to watch. You have this core. You have Alex Ovechkin. If they get close to the deadline will they add a piece or two or will they step back and say hey this is the crew we got and we're going to roll with it because i I feel like there would have to be a little bit of pressure on ownership mike as we wrap this up to say we're not going to sell in a year where we still have alex ovechkin scoring goals
1: yeah and this is a team that's always been willing to go for it last year they didn't make the many moves it just stood pat but you know it's also been on d Uh, they've been missing a couple back there i think when they get healthy you may have to watch out but like you say it's a tough mountain to climb in the metro
0: Four goals in his last four games for Ovechkin, all of them coming with the net empty. Four empty net goals. Remarkable stuff. He is now just four back of Gordie Howe for second all-time in NHL scoring. We'll see if maybe Ovi can get that done before the calendar flips to 2023. Moving along and heading out to the Western Conference, Mike, the Central Division is getting interesting as well. You look at the breakdown there and teams like Winnipeg and Dallas are continuing to their strong play Colorado is finding a way to scrape together some victories even with their depleted lineup and then you have the two most interesting teams in my opinion and it's the Minnesota Wild and the Nashville Predators I'm going to give you a little buy or sell question here you know you see Nashville if they win their games in hand they're going to be right tied with Minnesota these (laughs) two teams have kind of been on roller coaster rides early in the year are you buying one of these teams and their playoff chances and I guess in a way they're sort of mid-season turnaround here
1: yeah, I'm going to buy the Minnesota Wild. You know Nashville to me, that the depth hasn't been there all season long, and it's really taken UC Sorrows catching fire and some of their best players to carry that team. Um, Soros has lost two in a row. The Predators have lost two in a row, but previous to that, he was seven zero and one. and his advanced stats actually make Soros look a lot better than the traditional metrics. I think that Nashville in general is just loose and. Think about this. Tanner Janot last year at 24 goals, he's on pace for 10 this year. You know That's the type of depth scoring that hasn't been there. Whereas with Minnesota, uh, this team has eight players that are double digits in scoring. Nashville only has six. And Minnesota has somebody in Kirill Kaprizov who can win games single-handedly. And the biggest difference for me, Tyler, is that if I think about Nashville, that's a team that has to work hard every single night to get a point. And if you're Minnesota, Minnesota still has the skill that even if they're not on their best game, they can still grab points or win. They have that superstar power. They have a bit more depth. And the X factor here is that Marc-Andre Fleury only has an 8.92 save percentage so far this year. He's got more to give. He's never been below 90% in his career. And I think that as his play improves for the wild, they're gonna keep moving forward. Whereas Nashville, I hate to say it, Tyler, to me, they're just a streaky team because if that work ethic isn't
0: there, if they don't get scoring from the top end, they don't win games. Yeah, and I think that's a great point there. Minnesota once in a while, yeah, Caprizov will put on a show, score a couple on the power play, and it's like, okay, we didn't have our best, but we still brought the game to OT. We found a way to squeak out a one-goal win with Nashville. There just isn't that high-end offensive skill that can kind of bail them out, and it's really hard to be the hardest-working team on the ice 82 times over the course of a long, Mm -hmm. grueling regular season, which is why it was surprising for me to see Nashville put – put uh, Tolvin in on waivers. We're a couple hours away from finding out if he'll get claimed. I imagine that he will. 1.4 million, 23 years old, a guy that over the course of his career has averaged 15 (laughs) goals every 82 games. This is a guy who I think teams could probably look at and go, hey, we're going to take a flyer. Maybe a change of scenery is all he needs. I know there's been a lot with him, and it's more than just the goal scoring that they're concerned about, obviously, but Mike, I, I feel like this is a guy who's a lock to get claimed in two hours seems like it uh
1: sometimes players will slip through the cracks you never know a specific need but if you've got somebody that you think could potentially be a 20 goal scorer which to me Tyler's that seem out of the ballpark for Tolvin and if he's in the right no. situation i think it can happen especially maybe on a lesser team so i'm with you i think there's a pretty good chance he gets claimed um, but it is surprising to see him you know essentially
0: be cast off by nashville they're obviously creating some space we got Frank Saravali coming up from the Board of Governors meeting for our big segment today, but we're still going to squeeze in a little blue paint talks so with a mini blue paint segment. And Mike, I want to focus on the LA Kings. As you can see here at the bottom, Phoenix Copley has a 927 save percentage in two games. And our producer, Alex Allard, passed along the definition of a Phoenix. He says it's an immortal bird associated with Greek mythology that cyclically regenerates or is otherwise born again. A Phoenix obtains new life by rising from the ashes of its predecessor. So rising from the ashes of this absolute mess that is the LA Kings crease comes Phoenix Copley. Is he creating a bit of a goalie controversy in LA? I don't know if he's creating
1: it, but man, it sure makes things look pretty dire with how the season has played out so far, especially last night when you had the Columbus Blue Jackets and the LA Kings going head to head and basically the two clubs that have had the worst goaltending all year and it's a 6-5 final, Jonathan Quick ends up losing in overtime. And here's Phoenix Copley, hot out of the American League. He has one full season of NHL duty under his belt with the Washington Capitals, where he had a winning record and a you know, a 904 save percentage, played pretty well. He got bumped out for Samsonov because Samsonov was a first-rounder. Well, Copley plays a very controlled, restrained style. And if you watch all his clips from his two games, he's never on his back. He's not on his stomach. He's within his post. He's in the blue paint. He's the diametric opposite of jonathan quick and cal peterson and i think that's exactly what this king's team needs tyler like if you look at the advanced metrics the goals saved above expected for the kings that tells you that they've allowed over 20 more goals than expected and for a team whose points percentage has them barely in a wild card spot i think the kings with better goaltending could be second in the pacific easily And is it going to be Copley? I don't know. I'm sure there's a hope that Peterson comes back and plays well from his time in the American League. But at this point, if Copley's winning games and he's putting up numbers, Tyler, if you're the Kings and you got to make playoffs, don't you have to ride that hot hand?
0: I think you do. Because again, the Pacific Division right now is so tight. I mean, every division is for the most part. But when you have Edmonton and Calgary both sitting right behind you in the standings and teams like Seattle and Vegas who are so hot in front of you, Two points in December, is that's worth just as much as two points in March or in a, early great. April when we're playing the end of the regular season. You mentioned the 20 goals more than expected. They have allowed the second most goals against in the NHL at 112. Subtract 20 from that, boom, their league average at 15th. This is a team that's playing fine but has been let down by their goaltending cal peterson for what it's worth a 939 save percentage in four american hockey league games if you had to guess how long do you think until maybe we see him back in the nhl like what's a good enough sample size of a solid ahl run where you'd go he might have his game back on track
1: I can't imagine much longer because it's gone very well for him in the American Hockey League. Mm-hmm. But that's the tough part. What happens when he comes back? And really like the elephant in the room, Madison Jonathan Quick hasn't been any better. You just can't waive a five million dollar goaltender who's gonna have his number retired and is a hall of famer. Yeah. So that's where the Kings have faced. Peterson was the easy answer
0: to try to get him back on track. Looking ahead at tonight's schedule in the NHL, there's one game that stands out more than any other, and it's a marquee matchup between the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden. For the Rangers, they're maybe starting to get the ball rolling in the right direction here. They've won three in a row, beating St. Louis, Vegas, and Colorado in the process. But Mike, tonight feels a little bit different from a Rangers perspective. You're at home. You are taking on a big division rival. The team that sits first in the Metro This feels like a chance for the Rangers to make a bit of a statement, in my opinion, and say, hey, yes, the three wins in a row against Western Conference teams, that was great. But we are back. We are a legit playoff team. You can do that if you beat the Devils tonight. This is a really big game, even though it's only December 12th.
1: It's one of those yardstick games for a team, because if you're the Rangers, you can make excuses for the last couple wins if you really dig deep. You know, St. Louis has been up and down. Colorado's had a lot of injuries. Uh, But I really look at this game and think, you know what, Tyler, I wonder what would happen strictly five on five. Like, I'm rooting for no penalties in this game, because to me, I still think that the Rangers live and die by their power play and Igor's just jerking. And I need to see them be better five on five. Now, Gerard Gallant is is a really loyal coach, and he likes to keep things as as similar as he can. He likes to keep lines the same. Well, several games ago, he finally said enough. We've been on a slide. He put Capo up, uh, Capo Caco up on the top line with Zibanejad and Lafreniere up there as well. And that seemed to really give some five on five spark to the Rangers, Tyler. So I'm curious to see how this plays out, because if you're just going to go up and down the ice with the Devils, you're in trouble. Like the Rangers are going to have to play better defense. They're going to have to stay out of the box. Uh, And this is where they're going to make their hay. They've got to find out if they can compete five on five, play defensively against the best team, in, if not the best team in the NHL, the most offensively dangerous team in the NHL in the New Jersey Devils
0: yeah and, and i like the point you brought up about power play production versus five on five and getting their even strength game going since the beginning of december in five games artemi panarin nine points remarkable but five of them coming at even strength so this is a guy who's producing in a point a game clip at even strength they have him and zibanejad playing on different lines now and you mentioned LaFrenier, three points over the course of this little three game winning streak here that is all great and like last season, though, this team is is maybe proving that they live and die with Igor Shesterkin. It's in back-to-back games where he's only allowed one goal against. And that's a big part of this, too. And I don't even fault them for that. Like, I mean, I'm here in Edmonton where if Connor McDavid doesn't put up two or three points and the Oilers lose, people go, oh, look, if the big guy's not doing it, you can't win. And I don't fault teams for their stars carrying them at times. But they do need Shesterkin to probably be back to his Vesna level if they want to keep this rolling, right?
1: Well, to go at least to the Stanley Cup Finals, I think that's what it would have to be. You just need yeah. great, you need good goaltending. They need great goaltending in New York to be as good as they've been and to be in the playoff hunt. Um, and shashurkin has been way better than people realize, man. He's still clipping it like a 918. He just hasn't been Superman this year.
0: Off the ice in the NHL, it is a big week as it's the Board of Governors meetings over the next couple of days here. And our boy Frank Saravalli is on the case. Let's get to this week's edition of Icebreakers. I had to take a break from prepping for today's show to go shovel my sidewalk, and Frank Saravalli joins us with the Atlantic Ocean beautifully behind him. Life is not fair. Frank Saravalli for this week's edition of Icebreakers, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Frank, you are there on business, Board of Governors meeting, and the big thing everyone wants to know salary cap. What's happening? What do you know?
4: Yeah, it's the big, uh, I'd call it the $82.5 million question, Tyler, and I think we're all curious to see. That, that is very specifically supposed to be addressed on day one at the Board of Governors meetings here in Palm Beach, Florida, with the revenue projection going to be handed to teams. Now, uh, now, what's really interesting, Tyler, is what can the NHL and the NHL Players Association potentially do in lockstep together to maybe smooth over what could be a very large increase coming some years down the line? So the first step is getting that revenue projection today. How... What does that mean in terms of paying off the $1.1 billion debt from players to owners? And then if it looks like it's on track or more importantly, very close to being retired at the end of this season, well, then the NHLPA and NHL can come to some sort of agreement to gradually step up the salary cap as opposed to having let's say a six or a seven million dollar increase in two summers time why don't we make it three million here three million there and another three million later so that teams can not only plan ahead but also perhaps instead of having a pile of money dumped in their lap be ready to roll with a strategic plan so that's uh the big thing on tap for day one of the board of governors meeting is what does that revenue projection look like
1: Money's always at the for, for, forefront, Frank, as we all know, but when the Board of Governors get together, they always kick around a bunch of different ideas and topics and wondering what else you might be expecting from these next two days of meetings, aside from maybe a Mai Tai or two next to the pool, because like, I'm mega <laughs> jealous right now, dude, it looks amazing where you're at.
4: Yeah, no Mai Tais, and uh, the only thing, Tyler, we're going to be shoveling here is potentially some sand uh, on the beach. But, um To be fair, um, it is a really interesting meeting in the sense that, guys, there's not really a ton of hockey topics that are on the table in terms of gameplay or anything like that, any potential rule changes that may be considered. But I think one thing everyone also has an eye on is the situation that's been brewing with the Ottawa Senators and their prospective sale. We know that the process has continued along here over the last few weeks. Uh, A number of interested parties... You know, I believe at, at some point more than ten interested parties have stepped up and approached uh, the senators through the group the group that is handling the sale process for them to say, Hey, we're an interested party. I don't think it's advanced much beyond that in terms of, you know, beginning to cut down the list of potential suitors. But one thing's really interesting as I was just walking to set up for the hit today. Just ran into uh, Michael Andlauer, who is the minority shareholder for the Montreal Canadiens. He's rumored and reported to be one of the prospective bidders for the Ottawa Senators franchise. He would normally be here as part of his role for the Canadians anyway. But it's just interesting just to have that face in front of the... Board of governors, yet again, that familiarity as part of the process that could make him one of the front runners if he could put together the proper team. He also owns the OHL's Hamilton Bulldogs uh, that could step up and then one day be the owner of the Ottawa Senators. So that's one. And you never know when you get some hockey people together, guys. You know, just uh, ran into someone at the lobby bar last night, another governor for an NHL team. He said, Hey, why don't you guys ask about the idea of increasing? Uh, the number of teams that qualify for the playoffs. What about the NHL playoff format? We need an expanded playoff. The NHL has been very resistant at this point to expand the playoff format. I think it works perfectly at 16 teams, exactly half the league in, half the league out when it's all said and done. But we've seen the NBA increase the number of teams that make their uh, playoff format for uh, at least a couple games to, to sort things out in terms of a short elimination series. Could something like that be something that the NHL considers. I doubt it, but that's the, th- the fun thing when you get someone together from all 32 NHL teams. There's no shortage of ideas flying around, so we'll see what pops up the rest of the agenda on day one, and then day two goes tomorrow, Tuesday morning.
0: Frank, you don't worry about digging around in the sand. You worry about going and digging up some info, and we'll check in again with you on tomorrow's show from Florida. This has been another edition of Icebreakers delivered by DoorDash, where you can use the promo code GAMEDAY25, get yourself 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app. That's good living. Frank, we'll chat with you tomorrow. Thanks. See you guys. Moving along and hitting up our daily faceoff inbox question with hashtag ask DFO. You can submit them on Twitter or drop them in the YouTube chat. And we'll get to as many as we can throughout the week. Mike, today it's about the president's trophy. And I know it's weird to discuss that right now. But you look at the standings and a couple of teams are just rolling at an unbelievable clip. New Jersey has 43 points in 27 games. Boston's up at 45 as well. Last year, it took 122 points to win the president's trophy. The question is over or under that mark for this year's winner do you think either the Bruins or the Devils can win at a higher clip than the Panthers did last season
1: yeah I'm going to go over on this one Tyler I mean think about last year at this time you had Toronto at 40 points Washington 40 Florida 40 and this year you've got Boston at 45 and New Jersey at 43 so I'm going to guess somewhere like 125 126 Tyler and if I had to place my bets I'd put it on Boston. At some point, Jersey's going to run into trouble. I don't think they're going to fall off too much because they're a dynamo offensively. But Boston, that's a total package. How about you, Tyler?
0: I'm going under. And the reasoning is, like last year, you're right. We had four teams that finished above the 115-point mark. But I just look at the Eastern Conference right now. Buffalo, better than they were last year. Montreal, Detroit, better than they were last season. And I just think there'll be less free spaces on the bingo card as we go throughout the year. You even think about last season, the haves and haves not have nots in the East specifically. It was we we knew by this point last year who was making the playoffs. Everyone else sold off. And after the deadline, it was just those big guns running away with a bunch of games and i feel like this year it's going to be a little bit tighter for a little bit longer and that'll lead to some more points being stolen from bottom teams but i like that we disagree it'll be something to keep an eye on as we uh, roll through the season here rolling along on today's show let's get to our points bet daily bets brought to you by our friends over at points bet canada they got updated odds on everything major awards the four division winners as well you can check those up Check those out over at their site. I'm going to focus on tonight's slate in the NHL, starting with a matchup between the Ottawa Senators and the Anaheim Ducks. And I like this game to go over. For the Sens, they've had the over hit in three of their last five. For the Ducks, it's actually been four of their last five. And I think six and a half is a solid spot here to hammer the over. The game is in Ottawa. And really, these are just two high-scoring teams sometimes. Or if they're not scoring the goals themselves, they're bleeding a ton of chances on their own. So I'm going over six and a half here. And I'm also taking Drake Batherson at minus 160 to go over two and a half shots on goal. This guy's crushed it in four of his last five. And even the game he missed, he missed it by one. So I like taking Batherson over two and a half shots at minus 160. Not a great payout. So I'll give you at least one plus money bet tonight. And it's Zach Hyman to go over three and a half shots on goal in that Oilers wild game. It's paying out plus 120, even though like Batherson hit it in four of his last five. And when he missed it, he missed it by one. This guy's riding shotgun next to Leon head and Connor McDavid, and he handles the net front duties on the Oilers' top power play unit. Plenty of chances for him to shoot the puck, and he's shown this year he's had a game where he's had more than 10 shots on goal. He loves just putting pucks on net. Hyman over three and a half shots on goal is my third and final play of the game or of the night for points bet Canada. And, Mike, that brings us to garbage time for today's show. You dug around and you want to talk a little about Yarmir Yager. What you got there?
1: The dude's 50 years old, and he just played a hockey game professionally yet again, man. We all thought it might have been finally time to call it on Jaromir Yager's career. Get the 2026 Hall of Fame celebration ready for him to be inducted. No, no. You know what happens? Sickness runs through the team, and Gladno he has to come into the lineup. And what does he do, Tyler? Jaromir Yager has two assists, plays 15 minutes, strides around out there. The owner had to lace him up. I gotta tell you, man, this is, I hope he plays forever. I hope he actually never gets inducted to the Hall of Fame, Tyler. At this point, I think that that would almost be the most ironic thing that could happen, that quite literally one of the greatest players in the history of any sport just has to keep lacing him up every single year until he finally, you know, he kicks off at 80 years old or something. So um, it's awesome, man. Yarmir Yagra, can't believe I got to share the ice with that guy as a teammate for a brief period of time. and. He's still gone 50 years old, 34 years of professional hockey, owns a team in the Czech Republic and isn't afraid to just lace some on and go out there and toss a couple of apples on the board.
0: Well, yeah, what I love about this is it's not like it was some sort of PR shtick where it was like, oh, like to sell some tickets, Yager's in the lineup. And I was like, no, no, they legitimately needed him. And it's not like he floated around and just played like five power play minutes and sat on the bench the rest of the game. He played a quarter of the game. He played a normal shift and he was productive, (laughs) putting up two assists. Like, the whole thing is great. I I would end with this, Mike. They should just make an exception for the Hall of Fame, right? Like, there's no reason for us to not celebrate this guy's career sooner. Like, sure, if he's going to play two games a year in the Czech Republic, let him do that. That shouldn't stop him from being inducted into the Hall of Fame, though.
3: Yeah, and I
1: think he should have to wear, like, a special patch that says – uh, you know, Hall of Fame member while he's playing, just to designate it. I think that'd be really cool, Tyler. You can that'd lead the charge great. on this one. That's a good
0: idea. <laughs> I will put my little influence to work here and see if I can get in touch with someone. I don't know. Who am I kidding? Uh, anyways, that's a wrap on today's show. Uh, we'll be back all week, noon Eastern time, with Daily Face Off Live. Shout out to our head of production, Alex Lard and Frank Saravalli, who'll be back with some spicy info on tomorrow's show as well. We look forward to chatting with you then. Have a good Monday.
3: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.
2: Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues